Well, I like the sound of that music a lot more than the sound, the song that we've been pounded with over the course of the last couple of months. A little uh, due southwest of us. Congratulations to the St. Louis Blues for winning the Stanley Cup for the first time in their history. But uh, that song is much more preferable and much uh, a better song that uh, we want to hear a lot more frequently come next season. Hi, everyone. It's been way too long. Welcome to a new Blackhawks Crazy podcast. Again, we've been a little bit tardy in getting to you for multiple reasons, scheduling reasons for both us and studio and potential guests. But I'm Chris Bowden, your Blackhawks pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio, alongside the Chelsea blogger, MrNHL.com, and Mr. Celebrity Interview here, here please, lately, please. which we'll get to a please. little bit uh, later on. But uh, uh, every time I, I see you and I'm around you and I see all the articles that you're written with all these big-time people... I'm I'm pretty humbled to be in your presence, Scott King. Well, it means a lot to me. Appreciate your support. Look, I like to send what I call uh, "why the hell not" emails, and sometimes they get answered, and you get to do cool stuff. You know, especially if you're freelancing for a bunch of outlets. Why not? Why not do it until someone's ready to give me a a home? They're, my my work. They're so. keeping you busy, and I hope you're staying on top of all your hockey intel. Of course, while we're doing of course. all this, while it's, you're you know, mingling with the dance stars with the and girl who, who brung you the most, right? Mm-hmm. You got to do that. And we do have some hockey news. I'll touch on a number of subjects because we do want to tell you we do have a a draft show coming up live from Vancouver on Saturday afternoon from four to five thirty. Uh, Blackhawks and WGN Radio, nice enough to send me out to Vancouver. Scott will be in on it, along with Harry Tynowitz. Hopefully we'll hear from Troy Murray as well, but uh, the live guests, uh, the movers and shakers who are involved in the Blackhawks draft process, and also hopefully the number three overall pick will be joining us as well, either on tape or live again, 4 to 5.30. Uh, we'll circle back to that. But in the meantime, there has been some Blackhawks news here over the course of the weekend heading into draft week, and that was uh, the uh, Saturday night announcement that came that uh, Blackhawks have dealt Dominic Cahoon, a rookie that I think a lot of us were really impressed with last year, along with this year's fifth-round pick in uh, Saturday, second day of the draft, in exchange for Pittsburgh defenseman Ole Mata. This is a guy who has some size, who has played uh, upwards of over 300 NHL games, I believe, so far, and also been a key part of two Stanley Cup runs in 2016 and 17 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Again, Ole Mata comes the Blackhawks' way as the restructuring of this defense continues. It was probably uh, one of the biggest priorities. And as Stan Bowman addressed the media on Sunday, Scott, Sunday morning, uh, another part of this, uh, Ole Mata may not be uh, the most physical guy, even though he brings some size in 6'2". He may not be the most fleet of foot, but he also answers some questions with experience, part of Stanley Cup runs, but also a guy who can protect the net fairly well, long stick, and will help out on the penalty kill. And those were some areas that the Blackhawks and Stan Bowman definitely needed to target in the offseason. What was your reaction to the trade? I was surprised they got him. I thought it was a good return. I mean, Cahoon, yeah, he's pretty much an every-night guy for the Hawks, and you usually saw him on that first line with Taves, I think, you know, for a lot of the season at least. And I, but I think if you're going to have a guy there – Playing with that line, um, he has his first season with the Hawks, but you got to have a more of a scoring touch. I think that's something he kind of failed to get consistency with. So if you're going to get something like this, and look, you know, maybe the Pens willing to give you Mata because he was injured for some of last year, only got 60 games in six seasons with the Penguins, though. Uh, like you said, uh, big part of those two cups, and I think something Stan Bowman alluded to on the the conference call was that he's right there or nearing his prime for defensemen, kind of being in that 
mid twenty range, mm-hmm. right at, at twenty four. So you know, if he can, if he was, uh, you know, on the mend from this injury, or he can spend the the rest of the summer getting uh, through that, he could have a, a bounce back year. It was. And, it was a shoulder injury that kept him out uh, six weeks late in the season. He did come back over the last couple of weeks. And the thing that stands out to all the, the critics of this, among other things, those who want to criticize, is that he was placed in the lineup for the first game of the series against the New York Islanders, had himself, to his admission, a bad game, and was a healthy scratch for the final three games. Obviously, Mata wasn't the only reason that Pittsburgh struggled in that first game because they ended up getting swept in that series against, we should note, a very fleet of foot New York Islanders team that played a very good series. But if you turn the uh, clock back to a year ago, he's coming off a seven-goal, 29-point season, which he played all 82 games. Also had uh, one other season that was fairly impressive, some comparable numbers there. But this is a player who's been through a concussion, uh, the shoulder issue from last year, hip and hand injuries, not to mention uh, being sidelined a brief time a handful of years back by thyroid cancer. He made a quick recovery from that. And I think as we move forward here, he's not come, the body of work from last season isn't that great. Played only 60 games. The numbers were down. But you also have to remember, 24 years old, going on 25. He does have a $4 million cap hit. This is an offseason where the Blackhawks can afford that, but I think the way Stan Bowen and the Blackhawks front office also looks like the personnel department, hockey ops, looks at this, is this is another type of player with, unlike Dylan Strom, a ton of experience under his belt, but where there's still some upside to him and you hope being a change of scenery and being in this system can help him elevate his game to the point where he can be trusted in at least a top-four role moving forward here. Yeah, I think fans should be excited about that. I mean, like you said, it could be in a top-four role once he recovers from the injury. And the other thing is Stan, Stan Bowman makes a move to correct what the biggest issue was, defense. And he also alluded to the fact that he's not done there, really. And, I, and he, I think I think defense is where some area uh, is an area where more moves are going to be made in yeah, free agency. Or yeah, trade. sure, sure, sound that way from him, and, and that he's uh, not afraid to go young if the guys are NHL ready or, or have a nice little body of work in the league uh, so far. So I think encouraging to see him try to make a move to bring a guy who could have a good bounce back season that's had some uh, nice experience with that trade. 6'2", over 200 pounds, and uh, let's face it, 30th in goals against last year. I know if it was last or tied for last in the penalty kill, and these were areas where uh, the Blackhawks struggled. High danger, five-on-five chances. Part of Mata's reputation, though, is that he is fairly strong around his own net, and that's an area where the Blackhawks needed to focus. And I said, you know, two Stanley Cups under his belt. He played top four on both of those Cup teams, 69 playoff games to his credit. At 24 years of age, he played 120-plus penalty kill minutes last year, um, ninth among defensemen in two-plus block shots per game, which is an area where the Blackhawks were lacking as well in defending their own net. And then you get into the other area. I mentioned I don't think the Blackhawks are done making moves defensively, additions, subtractions, whatever it may be, over the course of the next couple of weeks. But kind of difficult in seeing Cahoon go because I was I was a fan of his, and I thought uh, a versatile player who was one of those forwards who would commit himself defensively and take care of his responsibilities. And you know, I thought there was some upside. Is he going to be anything more than a 15 to 18 goal scorer in this league? I'm not so sure. But he had the versatility to move up and down the lineup when needed. 
But I also think, Scott, part of this trade is the fact that two more players are coming in from Europe in the offseason who could fill that role. And I think Dominic Kubalik, who, who showed so well in the World Championships for the Czech Republic, he may have a little bit more offensive upside. And then another uh, free agent, a little bit older guy, 25, 26-year-old, Anton Vadin, uh, maybe closer to the type of player Cahoon is, whereas if he can establish himself here in training camp and get adapted quickly to the NHL, these are a couple of guys who could slot in and fill the absence that will be uh, uh, made by Cahoon's trade to Pittsburgh. And right here in the U.S. of A., uh, Stan Bowman pointed to Dylan Sakura maybe coming back and, and building mm-hmm. on, you know, he looked good last season towards the end of the season when he got back, and he thinks he's a guy that can kind of pick up that void that uh, Cahoon leaves. And there are, aside from Sakura and Vidal, and and Kubalik, you know what's going to happen with Brendan Perlini when you're looking at filling out your roster, the 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 twelve skaters from top to bottom that you're going to throw out there every night. And I'm kind of intrigued. Come training camp, what uh, Mackenzie Endwhistle can bring too, because he had himself a real strong uh, CHL playoff. He's one of these bigger guys who can bring a physical game, has some offensive upside. So just as things stand now, yes, Cahoon is gone, but I'm really interested. I think competition is going to be the catchword here for this team, both on the blue line with more moves to be made and both up front too, not to mention goaltending here um, as as these moves kind of progress through the draft and free agency and the trades that uh, we know Stan Bowman is, is probably going to make here over the course of the next several weeks. These moves and the prospects they have already kind of fighting it out for a spot are going to make for a really interesting training camp. You just alluded to goaltending. That's right where my mind went with uh, Lankinen and Delia there. I mean, you know. Lincoln could give him a run for his money, and Delia looked good in some stretches last year, and he wants that spot. So it's goaltending, defense, it's going to be interesting to see guys battle out and who gets what. And that uh, leads us to free agency because we'll get to uh, we'll get to the draft in, in just a moment, but as far as the free agent equation is concerned, as we tape here on Monday afternoon, another one and one of the bigger names has gone off the board because San Jose is able to bring Eric Carlson back, and Eric Carlson, who quite frankly – uh, wasn't healthy very often throughout that year for San Jose and what was a contract year after the big trade and getting him from Ottawa. But he signs a deal, eight years and $11.5 million average. He has to get himself right physically. But San Jose makes the commitment to Eric Carlson. They already have Brent Burns. But some of these other free agent forwards who could have been possibilities for the Blackhawks, have already re-signed with their former team before going to quote-unquote market on July 1st. You had Jordan Eberle last week. Whether he was a target of the Blackhawks or not, this is one of those players who hasn't seemingly quite reached his ceiling but had himself a real good first round of the playoffs. He ends up taking less money than he had been taking, ends up signing for five years, an average of 5.5. He made six last year, that in order to stay with the Islanders. One of the names I tossed out in the process early on was Brock Nelson, a guy who used to play with Jeremy Carlton. He re-upped with the Islanders, six years, $36 million. And then over the weekend, another guy who I thought could be a target for the Blackhawks, one of those guys, another one who could move up and down the lineup, give you some speed, give you some penalty kill, and Carl Hagelin. He ends up signing for $2.75 million per year over four years, a four-year $11 million deal. He took a cut in order to stay in Washington. That's a nice price for a Capitals team having some cap issues. But uh, after he was – it didn't work out for him in L.A. 
After being traded from Pittsburgh during the course of last season, he then was shipped over to Washington. Another one of those versatile guys who can move up and down the lineup. He's off the board now, but still, there you know there are some some players out there. Again, we've talked about this previously, Scott. I'm not quite certain that the Blackhawks are or may want to be in the market with the price tag for the Artemi Panarins or the Matt Duchesne's, whatever they can bring. But uh, it'll be curious to see what make what comes of a, a Ryan Dezingle or a Michael Furland or even if you look at Boston, we talk about Haglund. Marcus Johansson is another one of these guys who had a real good playoff for the Boston Bruins and is one of those guys who can penalty kill and provide some offensive upside too. So while some of these players are staying put, deciding to stay home, there's also a handville both up front uh, and on the blue line who are still out there, and it's going to be real curious to see how much of a factor the Blackhawks are in this come July 1st, too. Surprised to hear you say Dezingle. Usually you leave that, leave that to me. I'm his big you're his, you're uh, I'm his like guy. His PR guy. I talk about him on television, but podcast. The other aspect of this is, you know, it doesn't appear as though the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to obviously bring back the biggest guns in Panarin and Bobrovsky, but that leaves them with a whole bunch of more cap space to perhaps throw it. A dezingle if, if he might want to stay there. And I think in our last podcast, though, we, we mentioned the fact that he was a healthy scratch under Tortorella during the playoffs <laughs> at one point. So that may not work in his favor. Kevin Hayes, was his rights were traded to Philadelphia. They still haven't been able to close a deal on him. Anders Lee, the New York Islanders, make those two moves to secure Nelson and Eberle. But Anders Lee, their captain in succeeding the captain that they lost, John Tavares, he hasn't been signed. He's a big goal scorer there. So there are any other number of big names, both uh, up front and uh, you know on the back line. Less so much on the back line now that Carlson has been taken out of the equation. But uh, it's going to be real interesting to see how these things play out. And uh, again, before we get to the draft, a few words. You know, we mentioned Yo- uh, Johansson and his contribution to the Boston Bruins making it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. A few words, I guess, too, on on the Blues winning the cup and how they were able to do that and. Um, hats off to them for, for doing what they did. As much as I was tweeting out on Game 7 night, I, did, I didn't want to see another Central Division team come home with the Stanley Cup. In terms of recent history, I wanted the Blackhawks to uh, remain the lone Central Division team to accomplish that. Uh, you have to give the St. Louis Blues tons of que- credit for where they came from so late in the season and uh, what they were able to accomplish. This was a team that Several members in that room couldn't stand each other early on in the season, and what Craig Berube was able to do, and the gift from heaven that they got in Jordan Bennington, this wasn't going to happen with Jake Allen and Nett, and the way that kid was able to take over the net, and the way they executed their game plan so well throughout four rounds of the playoffs and answered the bell when they needed to in crunch time. They certainly earned this as much as Blackhawk fans may not want to hear that, too. I mean, Bennington for a rookie. You even look at that game in the series of the final where he got shaken pretty good, comes back and plays maybe his best game the entire year. I For a young kid, a young goalie, I, mean, I think Cam Ward had a, a similar rookie yeah. season with what he did um, and, and was uh, 
awarded even more so. Matt um, Murray a few years ago for the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins in the playoffs. Just so, and he's hurt. not the Pennington doesn't look like the biggest goalie either. He's just very, very calm. Yeah, I think gets he's to the right in the six areas. one, six two range, but he seems very six, lengthy yeah, and lean. Six, six, six seven. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, really impressed with that. And and you talked about the D before. I mean, it's just how how they're getting bigger and more physical. It's like we're kind of regressing to what yeah, hockey used to be like. That's that's kind of an interesting topic because uh, it's, it's been discussed elsewhere too. But you have that big blues back line, and they can skate well enough, whereas things have been trending more to the the smaller size defensemen lately, puck movers, skaters, fast guys. Uh, even though there's some size on that St. Louis blue line, they can skate well enough, but they remained committed to their defensive structure, and they remain committed as well, working together with their forwards to just continue to pound opposition into submission. Dump pucks in, force opposing defenses to go chase the puck in and try to hammer them physically. And that was out of a Craig Berube blueprint to the way he played when when he was in the league back in the day. And uh, they certainly uh, worked that that, – that blueprint to perfection against a Boston Bruins team that was kind of cut out of the, out of a similar ilk, maybe a little bit more skilled. But then we heard a little bit afterwards about we knew about the one big injury to the one big player that Boston suffered during the course of that series, and then during cleanout day we heard the, uh, a couple of other important players in Marchand and Bergeron were in fact hurting for a couple series in that playoffs too. Do you think? Marshan's line change was ill-advised. <laughs> a little bit. You're talking about that one in Game 7? <laughs> yes. Right. That led to the second goal. And, uh, yeah, he had to you know, take a slice of some, uh, a little bit of humble pie for that. Yeah. But um, I was rooting for Judd, too, to be able to call yeah. to yeah. Be able to call a, a championship uh, Game 7, a Stanley Cup Game 7. Uh, he's going to have to wait uh, another year or two or three but when you look at what boston was able to do again that's not necessarily the end result because they didn't end up lifting the cup they came within 60 minutes of doing so but you have those handful of players that has to kind of serve as a blueprint to where the blackhawks are trying to get to again a quick recovery even though the Bruins didn't miss any playoff time during the course of their rebuild on the fly quote unquote it was the bergerons and the charas and the um you know, Rast to a lesser extent, and the Marchands and a couple of other players, along with a nice crop of talent that they were able to turn over and work their way back into what was a nice run to the Stanley Cup final and getting to within 60 minutes. Uh, that's kind of what the Blackhawks are trying to do on the fly here, too. Isn't the result a little surprising? Like, Boston looked like the better team for so much of the series, I thought. The way they would cycle the puck, uh, Rask was playing his best hockey. They would cycle the puck the defensemen at the blue line would get so many shots on that. They would either score or there are always guys there to pick up a rebound. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed with how they played and, and in their game, but then you got to be even more impressed with what the Blues are able to do. Yeah, and Tuka Rask played himself a great series uh, for all the doubters about him, uh, even though he wasn't able to, in the end, raise a cup. Uh, he kept his team in a lot of those games. And then the real mind-boggling thing throughout the St. Louis run is the fact that they were – Six and seven at home in the playoffs and ten and three on the road. And that's kind of why I got the sense going into that game seven. Yeah, they weren't able to close it out at home. There's always this added distraction factor for teams 
going home with the opportunity to close it out, it seems, here in recent years. They weren't able to do that, but they seem so much better on the road throughout the course of these playoffs. And again, they put the exclamation point on that early last week in, in winning Game 7, and in pretty convincing fashion, too. Yeah, I, the way they handled the parade also impressed me. You see guys like riding on bikes or taking the cup in the crowd. Like it was, it was uh, Chicago, the parades have been amazing. Yeah. But they, they, they stay on the... The floats on the uh, on the trolley is a little more buttoned down, even though you still get about two million fans going crazy. But I thought the guys seemed like they were having a really good time yeah. in St. Louis, going that, out to the crowd. And everything. That parade and celebration was a tough watch for me on Saturday. The I, I I couldn't stay out I didn't for watch, too long. I didn't watch much of it all. Couldn't I, mean, I just saw pictures, especially our buddy Darren Peng. I know he's been associated with the Blues for so long, yeah. there, but. Uh, He's a Blackhawks goalie. Someone and, should tell him. And uh, yeah, I worked worked uh, worked with him uh, back in the day when he started morphing from his playing career into the broadcast career uh, down the dial. And uh, seven eighty had the Blackhawks too doing pre and post with him. So uh, again, uh, congrats to the Blues. We'll say it one more time, and I think we have to move on. I think you said it for me, right? So um, and now let's let's morph into what's right in front of us here on our plate coming up this week. With the NHL draft uh, going to Vancouver, again, uh, I'm, I'm real excited about the opportunity to head to Vancouver on Thursday, be there for rounds one and two on the draft on Friday, and reiterating once again, we'll have a draft special for you here Saturday at 4.30, uh, 4 o'clock to 5.30. 4 o'clock should be about the time that the second round of the entire draft is wrapped up, so hopefully we'll have a handful of live guests with you. I'll be out there in Vancouver uh, with those guests, and Scott King and Harry Tynowitz will be holding down the fort here. Maybe a little bit of Troy Murray. He's on a uh, team-sponsored lake cruise or something going on, so we'll you might hear a boat in the background. See if he's off the SS Gilligan (laughs) in time to at least join you over the phone here and get some of his his insights on Blackhawks moves both in the draft and and anything that anything that they've done so far between uh, now and then, but. Most of the chatter right now seems to be that the Blackhawks may be down to choosing between two players in particular. A couple of weeks ago at the Combine in Buffalo, Mark Kelly, uh, uh, the director of personnel, pro personnel, said that the Blackhawks had it down to about six guys. And I'm really starting to wonder with, and I know there's a recency bias here, but with the way a couple of players in defenseman Bowen Byram and center Alex Turcotte uh, they seem to have raised their value here, perhaps inched themselves ahead of a handful of the other players in the field, whether it's a, a Dylan Cousins or a Kirby Doc, a couple of real big centers who are certainly legit and good enough uh, in some years, if not this year, to be chosen at number three. Uh, Trevor Zagris, another player from that U.S. national development team who you know, a lot of people argue is maybe the second most skilled player in this draft behind Jack Hughes. But we've heard a lot of buzz lately about Alex Turcotte, a local kid, and Bowen Byram, the head and shoulders best defenseman in this draft, a guy who could potentially slot in, if not right away at the start of the season, eventually at some point of the season, good enough at the age of 18. Are you getting that sense too? And and do you think that the Blackhawks are, are down to perhaps those two names, even though they wouldn't tell us because I would, I would think even at this point, even if it has been down to two, they already have a good idea here at Monday of this week, since they hold all the cards, who even one of those two might be if, in fact, we're down to those two. It does seem like it's been two for a while. And those other guys, when they had those six, you and I kind of sorted through them a little mm-hmm. bit. So if anyone wants to go back and listen to those podcasts. 
But, yeah, and you know what? I've, I've been going back and forth on this for the past month or so, the time that it seemed like just those two guys. Uh, with Turcotte, I mean, look, a, a center, a guy who can play all three forward positions, who's good at everything is what the scouting reports suggest, a, a local guy. You know, a, a good center is always who can score is always going to be the sexier pick, mm-hmm. pardon my language. Um <laughs> But I, for for me, when, our, when our you, rated podcast, I, yeah, it's, we're trying to improve it. Uh, when you look at the fact that you can get the best defenseman in a draft with uh, with Byram, who also in terms of defense can do everything well, and he's big, and Stan Bowman, and this is even before Stan Bowman had that conference call, is kind of leading towards where they have to improve the defense. And Stan Bowman just said they're really focused kind of on defense and they're not done there. But here's, I don't know if you saw this curveball, uh, Jay Zawaski of the score, who's been right on a, on a lot of things the last couple of years, uh, tweeted a little bit ago, a source just told me the Hawks are leaning heavily towards drafting a center. And it's not necessarily Turcotte, uh, Zagros, Doc, Cozens, who we've talked a lot about all possible as well. Uh, um, so, you don't know. Maybe that's just being thrown out there by somebody, throw people off. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's true. So, you know, I've, the amount of time I've gone back and forth on this and, and analyzed it and, and watched tape, it's still it's still a coin flip. Only they know. Only they're going to know and, and, and going to do the picking. But for me, you need to improve the defense, and you can really get a great defenseman in Byram. And, uh, you know, Stan is stealth. It's, his nickname should be Stealth Stan with some of these moves because who, whoever heard any rumblings about Olimata, uh, that right, trade right. coming about, when the Schmaltz-Strom trade was made, you know. Oh, uh, totally, out of nowhere. The, the hinnestros hosta trade comes out of nowhere. So the Blackhawks do a great job of keeping things in-house, and it wouldn't be beyond them to send out some messages that, you know, may disguise but when you think about it there's really no need to disguise here we know who the first two picks are going to be right and so they hold all the cards in this i'm still a believer it's going to be turcott or or uh, bowen byram uh, watch them go you know pull something out of their hat here because they are stealth that way and if it does if it is between those two i i kind of have a gut feeling it might be alex turcott because wow. there is you look throughout the depth in this organization, they do have a lot of depth, perhaps not quite at the Bowen Byram level, but we don't know that at this stage. Um, but using their first two picks in each of the last two drafts on guys that are knocking on the door a year, within two years from now, uh, who are going to be the future of this defense, they have all that within the system. They don't have as much quality depth at the forward position in the system. And Turcotte's committed to go to Wisconsin next year. That doesn't mean he could be convinced to sign a contract right away. But when you look at where the strengths are in the system right now, I think that might be a greater need right now. I think people are looking at this in terms of the greater need that the Blackhawks have at this moment. And yes, by all accounts, to those who watch Bowen Byram a lot more than I ever have, he could be a possibility to help the team coming out of training camp, if it got to that extent, if he is drafted. But on the other hand, I think the Olimata move may have tipped a hand that, all right, perhaps we're looking more for uh, veteran help for this coming year. And Turcotte would seem to be a guy who's a year away. He's going to be at Wisconsin with Cole Caulfield. That'll be a fun, <laughs> that'll be a fun team to watch. And I just think Turcotte is – out of the mold of the kind of player that they like, plays both ends of the ice. We've heard the Jonathan Taves comp, and who is also the type of player 
when you think about this, who is in the Blackhawks system right now that you believe could be a future captain? And you know, he's John, scrappy too. John, Johnny yeah. Jonathan has you know we would hope another five or so years on him, but you're also looking. That's not to say Byram couldn't be that type of player either, but with the lack of you know depth in the system at the forward position, I just think. Um, if there is a choice between those two, and this is my gut feeling, is that uh, Alex Turcott will be the name end- ending up being called on, on Friday night. My thought on that is, is even with not having enough forward depth in the system, I think even after the Mata trade, they don't have enough defensive depth in their lineup. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's still the more pressing need. Um, y- you have enough forwards on the team already. Yes, you can get more forward depth. I think you can get someone else to do that. Mm-hmm. You hope some of the guys they have uh, develop a little more. But I just think it's such their their lineup for opening night is a much more pressing need than forwards they have in their system in Rockford in other leagues. And Turcotte might be that good, but you know you're either going to see him or or Byron uh, on another team. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't yeah, know. And there's no, still, yeah, and there's no time if if it's, Byram, just, it's interesting if Byram is the guy whether he'll be good enough coming out of training camp amongst amidst all this competition yes, that he yeah. is. That, that, that Stan and the staff have put together the way the roster looks right now. It also just kind of begs that, you know, th- there are so many guys and you're going to have six or seven spots come opening night. Stan has said he's not worried about opening night. He's in for all the competition, but also you have the number of NHL contracts that the Blackhawks have right now at that defensive position, the guys in the pipeline. To me, it also screams, again, opinion only that some of those guys could be used with perhaps one of the defensive prospects or a future draft pick or one of these other forwards who you figure are going to be competing for playing time in the bottom six this year that can also be part of a trade here in the coming week. So we know nothing like everybody else. We're we know just, everything. We're combined, just speculating. Combined with both sides, we know but everything. it's interesting to present all these potential scenarios and yeah. and. To me, you almost you're almost anxious to turn the clock ahead two or three weeks from now to see okay right. how is this all going to yeah. shake down, which doesn't mean it's it's the absolute finished product, but uh, who's coming, who's going, and what's this roster going to be like? So we'll try to get more answers. We'll get more answers to the one we were kicking around just right now, Bowen Turcott or somebody else come Friday night. And again, I'll be out there in Vancouver for full coverage. We hope you will join us uh, between four and five thirty on WGN Radio and WGNRadio.com. It's a White Sox night game, so there is no conflict there. And we should have a lot of fun uh, breaking things all down and uh, hopefully hearing from the decision makers themselves in Vancouver. And we'll finally have answers to uh, that question in particular. So we'll hope you join us and uh, we'll have a great time uh, Saturday afternoon between 4 and 5.30 to break things all down. So for the here and now, um, let's just uh, talk about some other things that have been going on over the last couple of weeks here. And again, apologies. I think at the last podcast we said, yeah, we'll be back before the draft. Should have Mark Kelly on. Originally, I think the Blackhawks' plan was to have Mark Kelly available today. And uh, they've decided to walk back from that a little bit, make Stan available by a conference call on a Wednesday night before the draft. And that's all well and good. So uh, due to some scheduling snafus here, we're sorry we weren't able to come to you a little bit earlier and have a guest. But hopefully uh, we're good enough just chatting about things. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned at the top, you're you're Mr. Celeb here in terms of the interviews you're doing. you got a magician. You have uh, <laughs> a couple of actors, actor-producers. Tell us more here. 
Well, I'm not, I'm not a celeb, but I sometimes they let me in the same room. Oh, I didn't call you a celeb. I'm just talking about the, the people that tape, you're, people you're rolling into. Right. I, I took it that way. So maybe I <laughs> think very highly of myself. Take a while. Uh, no, I got to talk to David Copperfield on the phone for Forbes. And you know, I saw a lot of those big TV illusions growing up. Pretty pretty cool. Uh, he actually had some funny uh, sh- Chicago stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. I guess he was in the St. Patrick's Day parade and he uh, with, with Daily One, and he had to keep going around on the route, and he kept doing the same trick. He kept sawing a girl in half through the whole parade. <laughs> so that was funny to hear about. Um, too, bad he, too bad you couldn't interview him in person. You know, I, I know. make you disappear. Yeah, or reappear. maybe it wouldn't even be him. Right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, and then... Uh, let's see, on Saturday, it was actually right after the uh, trade was announced. I was, I was getting ready to go. When the trade was announced, I got to uh, have a brief interview on a red carpet at the Four Seasons with uh, Mr. Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau. And that was, always uh, been big fans of those two. Yes. and to me, to me, Robert Downey Jr. has always been kind of an underrated actor. I, th- I think he's been brilliant in all the stuff he's been. Oh, yeah. And I haven't even he's getting his due I now. I haven't even seen billions the of superhero stuff that he's done. Well, he's know? great in that, especially yeah. the last Avengers movie. Um, but they're great together, and that's I'm writing a story for Forbes uh, that'll be done early this week or by midweek at least about their relationship and how it kind of yielded this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and all the success it's had. And uh, RDJ is uh, who you'd expect, really kind of uh, snappy, gets the gets the, the jokes out there and, and uh, cool, charming. And John Favreau is really impressed with just a, a real uh, well-spoken guy who really gives you a, a real insightful response and, and back and forth and he did a, a a real good job both those guys with their back and forth it was for the gene siskel foundation i'm sorry film center renaissance award that uh favreau was accepting that night at the four seasons robert Downey jr is on the board and accepted that award in 2010 so it was cool to see them talking about uh favreau's uh career and when they've worked together and uh yeah it was uh Kind of surreal to uh, to talk to them. Well, you had a busy twenty four hours because uh, you had a, you had a hockey trade, you had uh, red carpet interviews with those two, and then on Sunday your Father's Day gift was a trip to the ballpark. Father's Day, you know, was even more fulfilling. It was great. It was you know the the biggest interview I'll ever have. And then you know I'm not even thinking about that because we're at the Sox game. It's family day. You know, family Sundays, Coca-Cola presents and right. uh, free balloon animals for the kids. And my daughter ran the bases. She's she's uh, going to be four in August. So to see her running her little legs around trying to keep up with the big kids was great. And I'll tell you, going from second to third, I think the third base coach was wavering her in. She was she was booking it. I was so impressed. Get that from mom, uh, huh? Yeah, yeah, must be. Are you saying that I'm not I'm not a, a fast well, runner? Wait, I, didn't you didn't you uh, announce recently that you've been running more? This I feel like this is my red carpet interview. I got you got to ask yeah. about you and, and your snazzy shirt from the Hall of Fame. Uh, yes, I've, I've lost eleven pounds nice. running uh, six days a week since late April. Like, I keep, I'm not, that's all not even main, halfway there. But that's all to maintain the diet, right? So, uh, what did you have at the ballpark yesterday? The diet has not been great, <laughs> but it's well, mostly but I'm running, running so much. Right. So it's like, yeah, yeah, offsetting like, that. I got if I improve it a little bit, I got I got to lose some more. But what, for you, but what did you do on Father's Day? What you know? Let's uh, very quiet. I mowed you. the grass. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. So I hope you checked in on yourself. the Sox game. Checked in on the Open. Uh, had uh, had a dinner with my uh, my father in law too, and my son. What kind and of food? My wife. Uh, Italian place. Nice. So uh, and uh, 
we'll have uh, the daughter half of the uh, of the uh, Father's Day. It's uh, nice you break it up a little bit, not too night. much yeah. in one night. More, more nice restaurants, dinners. more meals. That's yeah. a, that's that's the thinking and breaking it up. Um, and uh, you mentioned you you had a proud moment. I don't know if uh, one of your kids uh, in terms of what they were eating at the ballpark too. <laughs> yes. Right, forgot about that. This my, is a case where the apple doesn't fall far exactly. from the tree. Exactly, right? I knew you were going to bring it up, and I'm, I'm happy you did. My son is 19 months, and only a second game, only a second baseball game ever. And we, I got both the kids churros. My daughter kind of clung to the strawberry. My son liked chocolate, and he, my wife, and my daughter got up to walk around, and my son, I just he had been sitting on our laps. I just propped him in the seat next to me. Couldn't have been more comfortable. Just leaned back in his chair. Was just nursing the churro for a good two innings, and even when we were walking around waiting to run the bases. He held that thing for probably two to three hours, and he. Well, that, uh, that, well, that would not have been the case with you, though. No, it'd be no. gone okay. immediately while I'm trying to write my game story, uh, trying to get that in. But uh, he uh, is also very, very impressed. They still have bacon on a stick at the. At <laughs> yes. The, okay. I, I didn't get to it. No. I checked out Revolution uh, Breweries Lounge and had a Revolution beer, which is my favorite. Uh, they can sponsor us if they want. And I love the Father's Day caps too. Did did they uh, did they give the those player, out? They didn't give them out. The, play, oh, okay. the blue ones the players wore. Yeah, yeah, I like the color. It's pretty cool. Sharp. The, but a great time, uh, great family Sunday if you're going to go and uh, take your kids. is a great time to go to a Sox game. And, and a couple of shout-outs off the grid for me. I've uh, been known to uh, talk about some things to watch here. Oh, uh, yeah. Quiet Storm, the Ron Artest story, which has been on Showtime, I thought was also released, too. Us being a little bit more familiar, and I, I covered a little bit of Ron Artest when he first came here with the Bulls, and he was a unique dude. <laughs> To cover, including taking a job at Circuit City in the off season, so we get a deal on electronic equipment. Oh, that's all part amazing. of this. That's all part of the story. I didn't even know that. But you also learn so much about his background, the neighborhood that he was involved in, um, why he battled some of the troubles that he has, all leading up to the malice at the palace, and then finally being able to win a championship with Kobe Bryant and the L.A. Lakers. It's really a good investment in terms of. Some of the things he faced, some of the things he dealt with and overcame, and in the end, it looks as though there is a, a pretty pleasant uh, ending for that. So if you have a chance, uh, whether it's on Showtime or some other avenue, to watch Ron Artest's Quiet Storm, uh, I certainly uh, encourage that. And, you know, so another series that's kind of gone under the radar, I don't know if you watched The Shy on Showtime, but it no. has really turned into a great like series. It? They're through two seasons, and you really – you know, it's based here. It's filmed here. You really gain an appreciation and have feelings for some of the characters in that. And um, if you're open-minded enough not to perhaps grasp and understand um, what certain elements of our certain people in our community face and have to overcome on a daily basis, in part through mistakes of their own, but also in part because of you know the their history. The genealogy, society, and the communities that they're in and perhaps not able to break out of in an easy manner. It's a fascinating series to watch, and it just wrapped up its uh, second series last night. Season two, even better than season one. You really gain investment in some of these characters, which is basically a, a study of the growing of a man at a young age as a boy into growing into a young man, the challenges that are faced there, and into growing into some older men who grew up in our very own communities here and some of the challenges that they face. And it's really a, a great character study. Unfortunately, in reading the season wrap-up today, 
I'm kind of heartbroken to know one of the main characters is not going to be coming back next year because of the fact that he was causing some problems on the set. The actor was causing some problems on the set last year into this year. And character-wise, it's one of the guys that you would least expect <laughs> to come from. <laughs> Must so, be a good actor, then. So I, I, I endorse the show as much as I can here now with the knowledge that this character doesn't look like he's going to be coming back this year, a real integral character to what the storyline is all about. But if you get a chance to invest in it, it takes a while to get going, as a lot of these series do. But by the end of 10-episode season two that wrapped up last night, I encourage you to because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's also a story about our community and uh, a lot of truths in it as well. But uh, the show we have to promote once again, 4 to 5.30 on Saturday, our draft show here. I don't think we have a, a, a name for it necessarily. It's just the Blackhawks NHL draft show. But Harry, we'll Harry will come up with something, I'm sure. Yeah. You, uh, Scott King, Harry Tynowitz here at the studio. I'll be out in Vancouver. Uh, the gentleman who helped us out today, Curtis Koch, will be producing that show. We appreciate yes, you, Curtis, jumping in for Joe Romano today, along with Brett Jackson. And I'm sure you'll be Chelsea blogging as well. And of course, WGNRadio.com. Huge draft, number three. Join us, uh, join uh, Scott and uh, read his stuff, the Chelsea blogger on WGNRadio.com, what he contributes as well to NHL.com and whatever celeb interviews on Forbes and whatnot. And we also encourage you to lock into and uh, – Subscribe to the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page at facebook.com backslash uh, Blackhawks Crazy. And you can follow Scott King at, at Scott King Media on Twitter. I'm at Bowden Tweets. And we'll have lots of stuff coming from Vancouver for the draft on uh, Friday and Saturday. want to thank you for joining us. We'll try and probably put together a podcast based on the show from Saturday's show, kind of condense things. So if you're not able to join us, uh, you'll get kind of a condensed version of everything we covered there. Yeah, And we'll definitely do another podcast on Free Agency Day, July 1st, whether it's late on that day or come back on the 2nd as kind of the dust settles as we finally begin some get some answers as to how the Blackhawks ro- uh, roster will be shaped more and more as we head into the offseason, heading towards full speed 2019-20. One other thing to mention, too, the release date for the schedule much earlier this year than it was last year. I think usually they did in late July, but July 25th, a week from Tuesday, uh, I'm sorry, June 25th, a week from Tuesday is when it's supposed to be the date when the NHL regular season schedule is released. We know, oh, where, the, we know where the Blackhawks are starting, so we'll have answers for that, too, All right. as part of the mix, too. But we will talk to you uh, on... Friday, Saturday from Vancouver, and we'll uh, get all our answers finally on the NHL draft and the Blackhawks draft situation in particular. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks as well to Curtis Koch and Brett Jackson for all their help behind the scenes. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you on our uh, post-show podcast. But we also, uh, hope again you'll join us 4 to 5.30 on Saturday on WGN Radio and WGNRadio.com. Have a great week, everyone. 